Hello, you are listening to KPMG's Energy Exchange podcast, a podcast where we explore the path to Ireland's exciting energy future. We discuss the practical things that you can do to unlock the full potential of Ireland as a major energy producer. I'm Colm O'Neill and I'm joined today by Paul Dean, who is Senior Lecturer at UCC, Fellow at Payne Institute, Colorado School of Mines, and a regular contributor to the energy debate at conferences and various media outlets. Good morning, Paul, and morning, thank you for joining. Thanks so much. It's a great pleasure to chat to you today. Thanks a million. Good to see you. And um, lots of people listening will know you very well, but um, you might just give us a little bit of your background and what you do just for to fill it in for those who don't. Okay, know you. sure. Yeah, look, I'm I'm a senior uh, lecturer in UCC, and essentially I'm a, yeah, a scientist who gets to think about the future. And what a wonderful privilege! Um, so I think about how we will heat our homes in Ireland, how we will grow our food, how we will use our land, how we'll generate our electricity and, and fuel our cars. And I suppose at the core of all of this is how to do all of this in a very clean way. And myself and my colleagues down in UCC, we work at the MARI Institute, which is the Science Foundation Ireland Centre for Energy, Climate and Marine. And uh, we, we, I suppose what's unique about the research that we do down in UCC, column is that we like to think of the whole energy and economy, energy and economy challenge like a like a, a Rubik's cube, you know. And if you focus on one side of a Rubik's cube and try and solve that problem by getting all the colors to line up, yeah. you're going to miss all, all the other sides. So we try and look at all the dimensions of the economy, of energy and climate, and hopefully get them all to line up in a in a coherent and consistent fashion, and you know, and and deliver this clean energy future that we certainly have the potential for, uh, but certainly that we need and certainly that we want as well. Very good. A Rubik's Cube. I like that. I like that metaphor. Yeah, that took a while to, uh, to to get together. And again, like the Rubik's Cube, you know, you can, it takes a couple of iterations uh, before you get it right. Uh, you're not always there, but it's what we should be striving for, really. I think sometimes in Ireland and even right across Europe, really, Colin, we often think of energy in isolation. You know, we think of maybe electricity in isolation, but but we shouldn't. You know, energy is is everything to our economy, to our society, to even to humankind. You know, it comes into our lives, our homes, it affects our, our physical well-being and our mental well-being. So looking at that holistic view of energy and electricity is, is something that we have found very helpful down in UCC. And it's a, it is a, um, like it's a complex problem, which is why the metaphor is, is, is so powerful and multidimensional. Um, and when you consider, you know, the theme for the podcast is our exciting energy future. Um, would you be an optimist or a pessimist on our ability to achieve that? Okay, that's a, that's a tough question. Optimist or pessimist? You know, to be honest, I'm, I'm probably neither, but I'm very determined. I'm incredibly determined. And I suppose that determinism is based on on evidence and the ideas, I suppose, that we see in our, uh, in our research. And oft, you know, a lot of people of my colleagues who work in research, particularly in academic research, they spend a lot of time looking at the problems of climate change. Yeah. Uh, I spend a lot of time looking at the solutions. And when you look at the solutions, particularly in Ireland and in Europe, you know, there's a common thread that runs through all those solutions. And that essentially that common thread is that most of the stuff will make our lives better. Most of the stuff will make our economies, our communities, our families more resilient. We'll have cleaner air, better farming, more options for diversification. We'll be less reliant on fossil fuels, have more nature, more jobs. It's good for our economy, uh, good for the environment and good for the planet and good for the people. So when you stand back and look at all those things, you, you see that commonality to all these solutions. And often you're just left asking the question is, why aren't we doing this quicker? Why aren't we doing more of this? And, and why aren't we delivering this? So it's the future isn't something that we should be afraid of. It's something that we should be embracing. And it's very exciting here in Ireland. You know, when you think of that big picture about yeah. that clean energy future, 
you know, we have lots of those pieces of the puzzle. You know, we, we pretty much have everything there, but we need to put that puzzle together and build that future. So I'm, I'm, I'm very determined about building that future. And that's why we spend a lot of time down in UCC trying to communicate our research and ideas, not just to politicians and to the industry, uh, but to the general public, because it, it's, it's something I think that we should all embrace. It's something that we shouldn't fear. Uh, and we've so little to lose, really, to be honest with you. And it is, it's, it's funny because the debate is so often um, kind of it focuses on the things we're going to lose yeah. and we talk about the things we can't do. And, you know, particularly, I think, as we've went through a, a summer of the energy crisis and, you know, take less showers and, yeah. you know, all those all those kind of things that had people sensing they were losing things. Yeah. <clears throat> but as you say, it, you know, the, the future is an exciting future yeah, um, yeah and can you maybe paint the vision of how you see that future of kind of a not just an Ireland but a planet that is run by renewables as opposed to us digging things yeah. out of the ground and setting them on fire yeah and that's a really good point actually you know a lot of the stuff in the wider media stuff that percolates to the top is either the utopian or the dystopian narratives you know where they're all going to die or it's all going to be wonderful but the truth is probably somewhere in between look there is a bit there is a bit of hard work to do we have to roll up our sleeves uh, to get things done, we, we, we are going to need to reduce our levels of consumption in Ireland and right across uh, the developed world. But we're not going back to the Stone Age. We're probably going back to uh, to a time that's easier and simpler. But we've so much to gain as well. So when I think of the future, you know, you know, waking up in the morning, you know, turning on your, your light switches instead of the, the electricity coming from conventional power plants, they might come from your rooftop solar, they might come from wind farms. And look, thankfully, that's a kind of a, a future that a lot of us are living already in Ireland. We've done an incredible, we've an, we've an incredible success story in Ireland that we should all be very proud of about the revolution that has happened around clean electricity and it is happening in Ireland. Um, so we're kind of on that path already. And again, getting to work, you know, getting to work will be, we need to encourage more public transport, more active modes of travel, more cycling. And I suppose, you know, with all these complexities, Colm, you know, the, the, you know, all this wonderful modeling that I, that I love to talk about in the academic conferences that we do down in UCC, the fundamental core of that is you have to make it simpler for people to do the right thing. And by the right thing, I mean the clean thing. So giving people options, uh, more options around transport is really, really important. And I think that's why it's important that we're seeing some really positive moves around cycling infrastructure, even greenways, because they seed that enthusiasm that we have for active travel. Um, uh, bus lanes, uh, carpooling, we need to do a lot of those things. And, you know, even if you just take transport on its own column, if we get that right, the rewards there aren't just economical, it means we will get to work quicker, um, but there's also really strong environmental and well-being impacts. We'll have cleaner air, uh, we'll be more healthy, you know, we'll have better options. And again, it's not forcing, telling people what to do, it's giving us options uh, and, and often it's, it's showing us what we can do, I think, is the real key to delivering this. And then when we stand back and look at our industry in Ireland, you know, we've, we're, we're, we're very lucky in Ireland, we've got a, a, you know, an incredibly powerful IT sector, we've got pharmaceuticals, we've got agriculture. And again, just letting them deliver the future that they want. Uh, most of the large corporates that we have in Ireland have remarkably ambitious goals for emissions reduction and clean energy and energy efficiency. And they're very important social goals as well. So removing some of the barriers for those uh, companies and families and firms to achieve uh, um, those targets is, is, really, is really important. And I think it's important for the wider public just to understand that our lives will probably go on pretty much as normal 
but our energy might come from unusual sources yeah. you know like the wind and the sunshine and using our land to to grow energy so it's not some it's it's i, I don't buy into the the kind of dystopian future where everything is grim and gray and cold um yeah. it's cleaner it's greener it's better and we're so lucky you come in Ireland. look and you know this as well we're so lucky in ireland we have got all the ingredients of that future you know we, we've, we've a wonderful country with the ability to produce huge amounts uh, of energy and clean yeah. energy so playing to our strength is something that we should do we've a wonderful farming community we produce really good food in ireland that will continue but we must give farmers the options to diversify if they want and move away to other options and clean energy is one of those options as well so when you tie all these things together and kind of look at that wider picture I like that analogy of the puzzle. We have all the pieces. Yeah. Uh, we're a bit slow putting all the pieces together to build that future. And the risk for Ireland is that other countries are onto this as well. You know, this is not a this is not a secret that uh, you know green energy is good for your economy and good for your health and good for jobs and good for the planet. Other countries are probably moving at a pace that's quicker than us, and that's a uh, that's a risk I think for us here in Ireland. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think you know people people often don't um, fully grasp the. The, the, all the elements that we have here because you know we've been an energy consuming nature yeah. for or sorry an energy consuming economy for so many years but as we shift to renewables and away from um, carbon based fuels yeah. Ireland potentially becomes a major energy producer and producing far more energy than we need for our domestic requirements. It's wonderful isn't it? It's like we've won the energy lotto isn't it? You know it's incredible you know and we were chatting before we, we, we spoke today about the you know the, the electrification of rural Ireland but another interesting story actually is the is the last fossil fuel crisis you know in the 70s and 80s when Ireland was pretty much about we we're roughly at an economy wide level we were 95% reliant on fossil fuels back then yeah. that was a tough crisis you know listening to uh, to, to people in society over the last number of years and reflecting on the difference between this crisis and the last crisis the last crisis was very difficult as well but coming out of this current energy crisis the thing that's different is that we now have the solutions to move very quickly away from fossil fuels yeah. back in the 80s and 90s you know there was talks around well should we go nuclear should we have more coal uh, they were kind of the real supply you know big supply options and of course yeah. we went down the money point route and that was good for the time uh, that we had but we were kind of hostages to a lack of technology at that time uh, but now we have you know we have the ability to produce huge amounts of electricity from wind and solar we can electrify transport and heating so it's different this time and i suppose what what hasn't changed column is that our reliance on fossil fuels hasn't changed that much over the last 30 years we're still about 90 percent reliant on fossil fuels uh, and that's very disappointing you know for a country that has so much potential um and even when we break down the economics of it like last year during the energy crisis we were spending roughly around 1 million euros every single hour importing oil and gas into Ireland. And again, for a country, you know, when you step outside the door here this morning, you see, you know, the winds that we have. And even though it's dull, we still have a lot of sunshine. Uh, there's a huge mismatch between our potential and our realization, you know. So we have to come out of this energy crisis with a different mindset. Um, the social memory of the previous of the, the oil crisis in the in the in the 80s kind of faded after about a decade, you know. Yeah. So we probably have about a decade uh, to get this right. And again, look, thankfully things are 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 uh, are. We have the technologies, we have the know-how, we have the people, we have the skills, uh, uh, we have the smarts. It's really up to us now just to to deliver it. If you just pick up on that, the you know the energy crisis that we've just had, 
has has that not already started to retreat in people's minds? In, in you know, in the way we've been fortunate enough as a country to be able to cushion the blow for people a fair bit, um, and you know, wholesale electricity prices continuing to decline, and and let's say we we do have we continue with the weather that we are having to yeah. to um, to to not create another crisis yeah. through this through this summer. Um, has it passed and have we missed that opportunity? Yeah, I, I, it, you know, it's a good question, actually, Colm. I was, as you were chatting, I was, there, I was just thinking of the COVID crisis. I remember, you know, when we were, in, we were going through COVID and I was thinking, you know, I remember reflecting back in those days, thinking this will stay in our memory a long time. You know, this will, this is a, a yeah. generational shift. And I think the restrictions were lifted by about maybe over a month or two when I was back in, you know, in, yeah. in social circles. And it, so it's funny how, how crises fade out of memory very quickly. Very and I think quickly. It, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You know, and I think, I don't know what you're seeing around the place, but I'm seeing, you know, things moving on very quickly. The mayhem that we experienced last year is is quickly being forgotten. And look, and all credit to the Irish government, the Irish government did an incredible job in protecting Irish citizens from the worst of the energy crisis, particularly in electricity. You know, I think they, they do need full credit there. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, when you shield people from a crisis, they, the memory of that crisis fades very quickly. Um, um, but it can't. I think it's really up to us and KPMG and others to make sure that that momentum that we should carry over from the conference, uh, from, from the crisis uh, remains. But it hasn't faded evenly in, in, in different countries. You know, yeah. Germany and Eastern Europe, the, 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 the crisis is still very, very real. Cute. And Yeah, and as you said, you know, it's... Look, we're over the crisis. We're over the worst of the crisis. Well, what we know of of today is mainly because of luck, uh, yeah. because the weather played ball, yeah. um, because of the hardship that German industry endured. And luck isn't a good strategy when you're when you're counting on uh, uh, on energy policy. So we do need to take kind of moral responsibility and ownership of our own energy use here in Ireland. We can't continue to be a, a country that promotes ourselves as green energy leaders and still use 90% of all our energy coming from fossil fuels. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous when we look at the, the potential that we have there. And, and so you've, you've painted, a, you've painted a, an amazing picture of what a future looks like, but, but at the same time, realistic. Um, it's, not, it's not utopian, but it's not dystopian either. Um, and the fact that you know, we have all the elements of the puzzle to put together. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote of yours back to you because... Um, You've, you've said we've got to go beyond incremental changes um, and instead require disruptive changes in policy, thinking and delivery in Ireland. Could you maybe just expand on what you think needs to be done? Yeah, sure. So incremental isn't good enough. You know, piecemeal additions onto renewables or onto uh, emissions reduction, transport heating just won't deliver the future that we need. And it certainly won't deliver in the time that we have. Uh, we have incredibly ambitious and correct climate targets here in Ireland. And what's interesting about Ireland's climate targets that are different to other European countries, and you know this, Colm, is that Ireland's targets aren't based about our emissions at some future point in time. They're yeah. the cumulative emissions across time. And that means that early action is so important that emission saving, if we save a tonne of CO2 this year over a 10-year period, that's a 10-tonne saving. Um, and, and we need to get that into our mindset at a political level, at a public service level, uh, at a planning level. Uh, it's more difficult at a social level because I think our lives within the, you know, within the social circles are, are, are very complex. But we need to move beyond those small changes. And things we need to think about is you know, an emergency task force for the delivery of renewables. 
Um, you know, kind of taking that that COVID mindset, and again, another an incredible success story that the Irish government delivered on. You know, when push comes to shove, you know, our leaders responded to the challenge yeah. with incredible agility. And agility is that word I find myself saying a lot these days. It's the we have the ambition, we have the people, we have the ideas, we have the companies, we have the we have the blueprints of the future. We're lacking that agility, and whether that agility is 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 not there because of an absence of the, the a recognition of the crisis or not, I'm I'm not sure. But we do need to think with an emergency mindset. You yes. know, we have a cost of living crisis here in Ireland. We have a biodiversity crisis. We have a fossil fuel crisis at the time when we were one of the most fossil fuel reliant countries yeah. in Europe. So, how many more reasons do we need? So, I think we need to move kind of outside of the the the, the kind of the current uh, public service thinking uh, about. Uh, procedures and protocols which are necessary but we do need to fast track some of those and one yeah. way to fast track some of those is with emergency task, task forces uh, small agile groups and small is important you know I'm on lots of groups uh, at, at, at academic levels and at government levels with, with, with 40, 50 different stakeholders that's too large you need uh, small agile groups good knowledge good operational knowledge that can cut through uh, the bureaucracy cut through the red tape and work on delivery and again it's not about fast tracking or kind of pushing uh, a lot of these permit permitting procedures to the side it's just taking ownership of them and seeing them through from permitting to, to all the way to through to delivery and i think we need to start with that with the with our electricity sector because it's the sector we have most form yeah and it's going to, there's going to be a bit of learning there. You know, there's going to be some teething pains, but if we can develop emergency task forces to deliver renewable electricity, we can maybe apply those lessons then to transport, heating and agriculture. But we do need to start somewhere. And I, like, I like the idea of small task forces. Presumably the implication is that they're empowered and enabled to make decisions. Yeah. Um, because, you know, part of, the, part of the challenge we have is, you know, this whole energy transition area has a lot of, dogma associated with it um, you know people with re- well-intentioned people with really strong views on particular outcomes and we we seem to be continuing to look for this perfect solution yeah. that might suit everybody how, how do we get through that kind of um, the, the inertia of lots of opinions pulling in all different directions and so we don't ever go anywhere yeah and it's a really difficult question to answer uh, Colm you know it's it's uh, it's something that a lot of European countries are struggling with at the moment it's not just Ireland you know the UK with their repowering Great Britain last week you know identified that kind of I heard someone refer to the idea recently as bureaucratic sludge that you have to wade yeah. through before you get anything done. That's very uh, that's very difficult. You know, in, in many ways, a lot of our political, all political parties have embraced uh, the action that's needed on climate change. But unfortunately, that embracing of the climate action that's needed is often has a conditionality attached, uh, often to local aspects. And that conditionality renders the support uh, uh, ineffective. You know, so it's 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 speaking out both sides of our mouths in, in, in many regards, and that's not helpful. Uh, there are going to be winners and losers. The winners will be Ireland, will be most of us, but there are going to be inconveniences. You know, a planning of of cycling infrastructure, bus lanes, pylons, gas pipelines. Nobody wants that stuff, but the country needs that stuff. Uh, and I think again, how do we solve that? Is I think by small, agile emergency task forces that are giving independence. They're given autonomy um, and let them take responsibility of what's needed. You know, obviously you do need kind of uh, a raucous approval for the implementation of these things. But I get very frustrated sometimes when you see good ideas just being kicked to different parliamentary committees, bouncing from one committee to another. 
And in many ways, I wonder, is it just a lack of appetite to take ownership of those uh, being responsible for things? And again, coming back to COVID, we saw that senior ministers stepped up and took ownership of big decisions. Yeah. Uh, and they own them, they own the rewards, and they own the errors. Um, there is a, a difficulty sometimes politically in Ireland and right across Europe with the political system because I think they know what we have to do they're often they don't know maybe how to get re-elected if they deliver what they have to do yeah so i think that that probably explains some of that so by giving independent task forces the ability and the responsibility to deliver of these things it removes some of the political unwillingness uh, to get things done and again trying it for the electricity sector is something and if it works uh, how can we apply it across the board but we do need to move faster because it's not just about the planet anymore it's about people and we're seeing countries right across Europe and right across the world uh, selling their green credentials. Yeah. And uh, it's about the economy. You know, we want to make Ireland an attractive place to live, work and to invest. Yeah. Uh, and if, we're, if we remain the, the, the most reliant country in fossil fuels in Europe, we're going to lose out big time, not just economically, but environmentally and socially as well. So we've we've, we've a lot to lose as well, Colin, by, by, by that inaction. And are we, like, like, what you describe there is, you know, a general acknowledgement and willingness of, you know, the leadership of the country to to capitalise on this and, and an understanding that this is something we have to do. But, you know, the reality of, of you know, elected politicians looking to get re-elected mm-hmm. and making decisions that may be unpopular with constituencies and so on and so forth. Um, you know, are, are we doing a good enough job of communicating that kind of the the um, the benefits of of what a future might look like of a renewable energy Ireland? Yeah, I think communication is very important, but it's how we communicate and what we communicate. I, I think what we've learned over the last thirty years of climate action and telling people about emissions, telling people about Arctic ice and glaciers. Uh, you know what it's true and it's important but it just doesn't work yeah it doesn't work and we can't relate to it you know and I often reflect in my own life when my local politician knocks on my door uh, you know what do I want you know uh, um, and it's local issues you know I want the housing stock in my local area to be uh, to be healthier and fairer I want you know people in my community to have access to jobs to access to employment I want the farmers in my local area to have better options not to be living in a, just on, on the breadline. so we do need to make it relative relevant we need to make it local and often that's talking about uh, you know clean air our jobs our money and we're, there's no shortage of evidence there, thankfully, to support that a lot of the stuff that we need to do is really good. You know, there's community funds from large energy projects, from solar projects, wind projects. There's the diversification options that come with agriculture. There is the clean air benefits that come with uh, um, with, uh, uh, with with cycle lanes and bus lanes. And again, while we present these options as being really positive, also being truthful about the the challenges. You know, it's 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 going to be difficult. We are going to have to invest. Um, uh, none of this stuff will happen organically by itself. There is going to be a certain level of inconvenience. That's yeah. true. You know, when we build cycle lanes or bus lanes, not everybody is going to be happy. But again, the challenge is to step back and look at rather than the individual, look at what society and what communities need as a whole. And it's it's kind of that mindset I think that we need to focus on. So again, what I often try and encourage people to do when I speak at conferences or, or, or public meetings is that to think of those things the next time our political representatives come around knocking yeah. at the door say look I want cleaner air I want more jobs in my local community yeah. you know I don't want uh, um, uh, electricity price volatility I don't want uh, money in Ireland leaving the country supporting fossil fuel investments around the place and when you ask those questions the answer 
involves solutions that are either local and relevant uh, and very, very positive. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the, speaking to people about emissions is very challenging. Yes. Speaking to people about climate change because you can't see carbon dioxide. You can't see the pollution that comes from it. We see the consequences on television, unfortunately. Yeah. And we're very blessed here in Ireland. We, yeah. we're, we're not going to see the worst elements of, uh, of climate change for a while. And we're very rich. We can adopt uh, uh, well in Ireland. But what we can see is jobs, uh, biodiversity, clean air, infrastructure. And these are the things that I think we need to get better at communicating. Yeah. And so, you know, as you say, you know, you consider all the elements, the, the, um, the technological elements all exist in this puzzle. And actually, you know, from an Irish perspective, Irish people have shown time and time again that their willingness to see the greater good of things and, and, and come in behind a plan that they can, they can see the long term benefit, even though it may inconvenience them personally. So yeah. even that element, I think, exists. Yeah, and even outside of energy, you know, we think about, you know, plastic bags and smoking and and even, uh, you know, wider social issues, you know, and there's often a bit of hesitancy in advance of all these things, you know, uh, that's normal. I think that's part of, uh, of human, uh, of, of, of the human, uh, well, maybe it's particularly the Irish psyche, but we do embrace these things, you know, and I remember the time of the plastic bag uh, uh, ban was coming in, there was people ringing in saying, we're going to have to shut down stores and the economy is going to fall apart. And it didn't, yeah. you know, it didn't. And I think people, people appreciate that now as well. And a lot of the things that we need to do with energy, you know, you still wake up in the morning and turn on a switch, uh, yeah. but instead of those electrons coming from, you know, coal or oil or gas, they'll come from maybe even the weather or the sunlight, you know, so our lives will continue. And I think there's an incredible resilience um, that, that we have in Ireland. And one of the things, Colm, that I found, maybe you found it as well, I spend a lot of time speaking to primary schools and it's really good for your health, for your mental health, because they're so positive. And yeah. a part of that actually comes from the Tashka on Tashka Green Schools program. Younger kids, particularly at a primary school level, they have a sense of, ent of entitlement. And I don't mean that in a negative way yeah. that it's normally meant, but- It's an expectation. Exactly, they, yeah. they expect cleaner. They expect, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, many times I stood up in front of schools and I said, well, why aren't we producing more energy from sunlight? Why aren't we producing more energy from the from the wind, you know? And then you've got to explain, you know, judicial review and you've got to explain all this wonderful <laughs> stuff. So, but they demand better, they expect better. And it's something to be very hopeful about, you know, their vocabulary is different and I think, they, they just expect that future. And again, they know that they're, they're more familiar with the technologies, with the potentials, with the realities. So I'm very hopeful about that aspect for the future, um, that they just get it. Uh, and not only do they get it, they expect it. Listen, Paul, this has been a, a very uplifting conversation of a, of a Monday morning. And I was going to maybe give you a final question because the, the podcast is about exploring um, the path to Ireland's exciting energy future. So <clears throat> as you look forward over the next 10 years, what are you most excited about? I think we reached a tipping point, you know, and I think it's it's not one of those kind of uh, uh, eureka moments that we'll see on the papers or on television or kind of a breakthrough in technology. But I think at a social level, what we're seeing in Ireland at the moment is people who have no interest in climate. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. People have complex lives, but I've seen it around my own community, see it around town here today. People who don't have any, let's say, affiliation with environmental issues or with climate issues are now driving EVs. They're putting in solar panels on their roofs. They're cycling, they're using public transport, they're eating healthier, they're moving around a lot more. When you, you know you've reached a tipping point when the, you know, the, the economic, ar the environmental arguments were always there, but now the economic arguments are just so compelling. 
people are doing the right thing now for the right uh, for the right reasons, it's simpler now to do the right thing. And I think that's it. That creates a kind of a social tipping point where it just becomes commonplace that, well, you know, maybe the next electric, maybe the next car I'll get, I'll just get an electric. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what? I'll put solar panels up on the roof there when I'm putting in the house. You know, I won't put in a, an oil-fired boiler. You know, I, I, maybe I'll look at a, at a different kind of diet. Those things are, before they used to be on the fringe, they used to be kind of seen as kind of the eco-warrior type thing. But now they've become central in a lot of people's decision. And that'll percolate right across, um, uh, right across society. You get these, 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 this kind of social influence that will that will slightly percolate out, where those technologies, those behaviours, just become commonplace. And I hope in ten years' time, Colin, you know, we'll look back at this and say, it wasn't it crazy that we didn't cycle to to work, or wasn't it crazy that uh, that we that we burned. Uh, a coal for electricity yeah. generation you know so I think hopefully you know us and the generation that come with us will look back in some of these times and go just wasn't it strange we did some of those practices because they'll have become so normalized around our daily routine so that's something I think that we've reached at the moment and hopefully over the next 10 years that will that will gather momentum. So you're most excited about the social revolution that is already underway in your view? Exactly because when you embrace these things socially that percolates up percolates up to the political system and it comes back to the idea again Colm I said our political leaders know what to do but they're not sure how to get re-elected when they do it if those things become commonplace if the acceptance of infrastructure for example becomes kind of it's never going to become widespread but if it becomes understood uh, people will understand the trade-offs um, if that becomes accepted at a social level that percolates up into a political level and then you've transfer transformational changes Brilliant. Listen, I hope everybody else is as uplifted as I was from this conversation. So um, thank you for joining us on KPMG's Energy Exchange podcast, where we discuss the practical things that we can do to unlock the full potential for Ireland as a major energy producer. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Colm.